Hello and welcome to WRI's Big Ideas Into Action podcast with me, Nicholas Walton. In this episode, we get on our bikes and ask if the cycling infrastructure that many cities introduced in the COVID lockdowns will lead to more people taking to two wheels to get about. Culture for cycling or culture for your means of transport goes hand in hand with what kind of infrastructure you have. If you build it, they will come. And we hear from Argentina, where their capital city is engaged in a long-term plan to reap the benefits from more of its citizens cycling. For over 10 years, we have been implementing cycleways all over the city. And we have created a demand to use the bicycle that didn't exist 10 years ago. I'm here on the streets outside WRI's Europe office in The Hague in the Netherlands. This is my colleague Santiago Ladonio giving a flavour of just how well adapted the Netherlands is to the cycling lifestyle. Along both sides of the road are cycle paths and here just about every street, every street is like that. It feels like everybody here gets on their bike, rides around in their bike and it's a country where even the prime minister cycles to work. You can see bikes that are adapted to carrying babies and school kids but also packages and moving around very very easily with whatever you need Uh, and the infrastructure is also built for it so you can see that it's been a conscious decision to prioritize biking within the city and it's really just made it a, a way of life here. Santiago Ladonio on the streets of The Hague. Of course, most countries don't have anything like the cycling infrastructure that the Netherlands enjoys, but that is changing. And the lockdowns that follow the global spread of the COVID-19 pandemic led to many governments and authorities making it easier for their citizens to get on their bikes. Here's Jill Warren of the European Cyclists Federation, based in Belgium. Well, the first lockdowns gave us a glimpse of what a world not dominated by cars could be like. So the empty streets, the clean air really encouraged people to get out and cycle more, to cycle for the first time, to teach their children to cycle. And, you know, cities also recognized that looking towards coming out of lockdown to ease congestion on public transport for social distancing reasons, that it would be a very good idea to enable and encourage more cycling as a means of transport. So some 300 cities in Europe that that we've been able to, to track introduced some form of cycling enabling measures, be it pop-up uh, cycle paths or slow streets, sometimes fiscal or financial incentives, uh, purchase premiums or repair vouchers for bicycles, uh, introducing lower speed limits, all kinds of things to encourage more cycling. And it worked. A study showed that in 106 cities that introduced such measures in the first months of the pandemic, that cycling actually increased between 11 and 48% in those cities. So I think that's a very clear correlation between if you build it and make it more possible, they will come. Uh, Here in the Netherlands, of course, the cycling infrastructure is is very evident just how much there is. There's cycle lanes everywhere. Sometimes the, the cars have to really play second fiddle to the bicycles. But what you're saying is that there's a lot of, I suppose, smaller measures, interim measures that you can take that can really improve the cyclability of a of a city or town or urban area without having to spend you know the amounts that the Netherlands spends. Yes, well, I think you need to realize that in a country like the Netherlands, this culture and this infrastructure and all of this developed over the past, let's say, forty years. 
we don't have 40 years in, in the rest of Europe, but people do want to make cycling more possible and easier and, and more comfortable. And these temporary measures are certainly one way to very quickly introduce infrastructure that makes it easier for people to cycle and makes people more willing to do it because they will feel safer if a street has been made car free or you know one lane of traffic has been repurposed for cycling. So those are certainly things that, that cities can do and have done. The challenge, I think, going forward is to say, right, how do we turn this into more permanent infrastructure so that this is lasting change? How much of this is, is culture? Uh, here in the Netherlands, a 75-year-old, for instance, may not think twice about jumping on a bicycle and going down to the shops. But obviously, in many other countries, people are just used to walking to the shops or taking a bus or perhaps even more sadly, driving all the time. Yeah, I think culture for cycling or culture for your means of transport goes hand in hand with what kind of infrastructure you have for it. So the principle, if you build it, they will come, I think very much works. If you have infrastructure on which people feel very safe and comfortable cycling, many more people will do it. And you can encourage that further through these incentives like purchase premiums and tax breaks, you know, cycle to work schemes. You can drive behavioral change with a with a range of measures, and that in turn, you know, gradually changes your, your culture. And and we've seen a very quick culture change over the past year due to the pandemic that we otherwise probably wouldn't have seen that quickly. Given how important culture is, how much progress has been made in those places where cycling wasn't necessarily part of everyday life? I could give a couple of cities as examples. Paris is one of the most prominent examples we have today. Certainly before the pandemic, Mayor Anne Hidalgo had a plan for transforming Paris and making it much better for cyclists and pedestrians. As part of that plan, when she came into office in 2014, she said she was going to build a thousand kilometers of cycle paths in Paris. By 2019, about half of that had been built. Then the pandemic came and plans were accelerated. So another 50 kilometers were added and the modal split uh, has really changed in Paris. We've really seen a cultural transformation in Paris in the space of just, let's say, five, six, seven years that would have been unthinkable previously. Paris was such a city for cars. Brussels is another good example. Brussels used to be the example of how you don't do it if you want a city that's nice and livable for cyclists or, or pedestrians. The whole city was geared towards through traffic and you know getting cars very quickly from, from one place to the other. I, I would say in the, the elections in 2018, 2019, when Greens were elected, they were really able to make plans and start implementing them for a more livable Brussels that reallocated space from cars to cyclists. And again, during the pandemic, that was the opportunity to accelerate this with 40 kilometers of, of pop-up cycle paths that are gradually now being made permanent. And you know, we've really, almost before our very eyes, seen this cultural shift happen. I think Lisbon, Portugal is another good example. What's happening in Ireland now with the massive investments uh, in transport are also very, very encouraging to see. And Berlin is also a nice example of where the pop-up cycle lanes have really opened eyes to just how much space was allocated to cars previously and how that needs to change. 
in the course of your work, and that, that I, I assume also as a cyclist, what have you learned is the is the most important thing for for encouraging people to get on their bikes? People need to feel safe and comfortable cycling. If they feel unsafe, they will not do it. And so protected infrastructure, separated infrastructure that people truly feel safe cycling on is the most important factor. And you've done work looking at how cycling is an important part of the, of the climate plans of, of, of countries in, in Europe. Yes, we feel strongly that policies and investment commitments to increase cycling should be an integral part of any country's climate plan. So to see what the picture looked like, we analyzed all 27 EU member states' national energy and climate plans to look for these kind of policies and for any gaps that highlight where we and our stakeholders could try to influence them for more cycling measures. The draft versions of the national energy and climate plans were submitted to the European Commission by member states at the end of 2018, and the final versions uh, about a year after that. So they were put together before the pandemic took off. But looking at 13 different cycling or sustainable mobility related indicators in the in the plans, we scored the countries and we saw that in the first versions of those plans, there really was quite a lot of room for improvement. In the second versions, some countries had really stepped up. I think just looking at which countries are doing very well on these counts, um, the top score was achieved by France, which has a plan to triple the share of cycling in their transport modal split. And they've developed a very detailed you know, set of measures to, to do that. Austria and Belgium also did very well with targets and plans. And the best climber country from the first version to the second version of these plans was Portugal, which has developed their ambitious uh, Portugal Cycling uh, 2030 program. And other climbers that, uh, I guess, recognize the need for more cycling were Slovenia, but even a country like Denmark, which is already very good in, in cycling, and Ireland with, with the new policies uh, and budgets they've implemented, and Luxembourg. Jill Warren of the European Cyclists Federation. You're listening to the WRI Big Ideas Into Action podcast. In this episode, looking at how cycling is critical for the health of cities and those who live in them. More on the link between climate action and cycling a bit later on. But first, let's look at a couple of examples. First, a brief visit to one of the cities that Jill mentioned. Paris, home to another one of my colleagues from WRI, Sophie Mongalvi. She, like thousands of other Parisians, took up cycling when the city started putting infrastructure in after the first COVID lockdown. It was really interesting what happened when we all came out of the lockdown, the first lockdown in Paris. And when we came out of it in May 2020, it was really interesting because all of these new cycling lanes had just flourished, I think, within a few days or a few weeks. Um, and so these temporary cycling lanes, I think about 50 kilometers of them around across the city uh, had appeared and yellow markings on the streets and thousands and thousands of people just started bicycling. I was one of them. One of the first things I did when I came out of lockdown was buying myself a bicycle and a helmet. It was really uh, interesting to see how everyone was trying to adjust. It created a bit of chaos, a bit of confusion cars and buses and taxi and taxis and delivery vans just having to now deal with cyclists uh, on the street and a lot of cyclists not very used to cycling in the cities and I think it sort of accelerated the the municipalities 
projects in terms of cycling lanes in Paris. And that was Sophie Mongalvi in Paris. Next to Argentina and Buenos Aires, where Carlotta Pedersen Madero is the advisor to the subsecretary on mobility planning for the city. She's been in charge of a project to extend cycling lanes onto the enormous boulevards that cut across Buenos Aires. So Buenos Aires is quite an extensive city. It's not that dense, actually, and that's one of the, the challenges. It has had 3 million people for over 30 years. And what has grown a lot is the metropolitan area. So uh, Buenos Aires has a lot of streets, a lot of space for different vehicles. We still have quite a strong culture of public transport, which is, of course, fantastic. And there's a lot of buses, there's a lot of cars, there's a lot of people walking in the city as well, and also subway system. But we have a strong network. And for over 10 years, we have been implementing cycleways all over the city. And we have created a demand to use the bicycle that didn't exist 10 years ago. Uh, when I was in uh, Buenos Aires, I remember that the very center of the city is is very built up and there's uh, roads that have got multiple lanes and it looks quite daunting. But because the city is so, as you say, it, it, it extends over a very large area. Uh, does that mean that certain parts of it are very, very suitable for cycling? I would say that uh, yes. And, and one of the key data points that, that you should know, Nicholas, is that 66.5% of the trips that are made in Buenos Aires are uh, between one and five kilometers. That's the length of 66.5% of the trips. So actually, even though the city is quite big, most of the trips are totally bikeable, you could say. Uh, so that has been also one of our key data points for us to start implementing and, and continue implementing this bike culture that we want to create in the city. What was the change that you saw under under the COVID situation during the COVID crisis, which of course we're still in? What was the big change to the way the city was working or traveling or whatever that you saw? So, of course, one of the, the key challenges that we are seeing everywhere in the world is that uh, from a transport point of view, the public transport has always been like the focus, like trying to move more people in less space. And suddenly public transport is not a dangerous place, but it is still a place where people gather and are rather close. So because of all the restrictions, suddenly we needed tools for people to move in the city that weren't only cars. Because first of all, we, we don't have a population that can afford a car. Not everyone can afford a car. And then we don't want, as a city, to promote the excess of car usage. So I would say that in that way, the pandemic has kind of made very visible that bikes are a very, very uh, strong tool to move around in the city. And then there's another point that is quite key for us. Bikes are not only a way of transport, but for many people, it's a job opportunity. We have a lot of people that are using the bike to make deliveries around the city. And we have seen kind of an increase in a 50% in usage of all those apps that where you can like ask for food or stuff to be delivered. So 
The bike is also a work tool that is quite strong. And we have also seen during the pandemic that all the industries or most of the industries were going through a very rough crisis. But actually, the cycling industry is doing really good. They're selling bikes like never before. Uh, and we have the equivalent of our Amazon, which is called Mercado Libre, is 131% more sells in biking, in, in bikes, than it was uh, in 2019. And those numbers are still increasing. The way you describe it, it certainly sounds as though there's there's a demand there, there's an economic reason, there's a real opportunity there. But what has the city, what what is what kind of infrastructure has had to be put down to help this along? Especially in a place where recently, certainly over recent years, there have been really big economic problems in, in Argentina. So there hasn't been an enormous amount of money to throw around. Exactly. So the city has had this policy to build cycleways for over 10 years. So it's something that it has been already on the top of the agenda for a long time. And we have a system that is 245 kilometers of cycleways. So that's quite a lot for a Latin American city. Uh, what we've seen actually is that till this point, what we needed was to create the demand of cyclists. And after 10 years, and this is, of course, a very good news, now we have a strong demand. So we a little bit, one of the, the key elements of my job and the team's work uh, related to cycling was to start building the infrastructure with parameters that were following more the behavior of the cyclist and not so much the infrastructure. So till this point, we needed to create the demand. Now the demand is there. And what we've realized is that actually 60% of the cyclists in the city, they're not using the infrastructure that we built for them because the city has always had this policy of building cycling infrastructure in secondary streets and not on avenues. So when we saw the map of where the cyclists were actually concentrated and where were their desire lines, we realized something that is, of course, quite obvious, but it was really good to have it in numbers, is that the avenues were very much used and there were no infrastructure for those cyclists. So that has been one of the key points for us to revisit the parameters that we were using till now. And it has been successful till now, but we needed to change in order to make a, a bigger jump. So that's why we implemented two avenues that are one of the most important avenues in the city that are called Avenida Corrientes and Avenida Córdoba. And those 17 kilometers of cycleways have been incredibly successful in a very, very short time. Fascinating. So what's the what's the scale of your ambition? Where would you like Buenos Aires and, and cycling in Buenos Aires to be in five, ten years time? So we have this really strong ambition to, uh, by the end of 2023, have one million trips per day. Uh, we are today at around 350,000, so it's very ambitious, as you can hear. And our idea is that in the coming years, we want to really start building more infrastructure on avenues because we can see that that's what makes 
also using the bike, the most agile way of moving around. Otherwise, you always have to do trips that are quite long and you have to take a lot of small streets and go right and left and right and left. And it, it gets quite like annoying, actually, when you can just take an avenue and go from A to B. And we also are very lucky to actually have a city that is quite flat and that has a fantastic climate. So those are also two elements that we we see as very strong assets and where the city can actually really have a big uh, cycling demand because of the conditions of the city, of the trips and of this climate. Carlotta Pedersen Madero in Buenos Aires. Finally, WRI's own Claudia Adriazola-Style, our Health and Road Safety Director. I spoke to her recently, and as you can hear from my questions, that was after I left the Netherlands for a slightly less flat European country here in Italy. But let's concentrate on what Claudia has to say. How important does she think it is for cities to get cycling right? It is critical, I will use that word, for several reasons. But as soon as you step out of the door in the morning when you are going to work or you are going to take your kids to school or to the doctor, you can realize that transport is a big headache. And it is in front of your eyes because, you know, you have a lot of problems with road safety. 1.35 million people are dying every year. You also are breathing very poor air. As a matter of fact, nine out of 10 people in the world breathe polluted air. 4.2 million deaths are associated with ambient air pollution. And if we think about the climate change crisis, it is absolutely important that we decarbonize the transport sector. And cycling is proving to be a very low carbon emission mode of transportation. As a matter of fact, that recent study pointed out to 84% lower carbon emissions than people that use a vehicle. How difficult is this to achieve? Uh, and I speak as someone who lived in the Netherlands for four years until recently, where obviously, you know, it's a nice flat country, it's good for cycling, there's money and there's a, a government that's very good at putting into place big infrastructure projects. So the Netherlands has a fantastic cycling system, but in other places it must be much more difficult. It is much more difficult because there is not a clear policy, a clear vision of what you want to do. And so you find a default car-centric set of policies and investments that follow that. So you need to have a clear vision. I need to help my people to move around in a safe way, in a clean way, in an equitable way. And then if you have the political will, you have the funding, you have the investment, the safe infrastructure, it is absolutely possible to be able to set cycling as a way to move around. We have seen it. You are mentioning the Netherlands in the 70s, the Netherlands started to have a car-dominated culture and a lot of traffic-related deaths that came among, you know, them children and people were just fed up with these problems. So that started to move the decision makers into shifting policies to support cycling. And now you have experienced, Nicolas, what is 
to cycle in the Netherlands. It's almost part of your day-to-day transportation. You don't have to think about it. But we, we're seeing it in other places. So what are the first steps? One of the first ones is to have a clear vision of what we want with the city. And why is that important? Because in order to make cycling a viable option, you have to have a network. People that cycle will be able to go anywhere in the city. And that is not achieved by having just, you know, one kilometer of a cycle lane here and there. It is to have a real vision of what you want. We have seen it now during the pandemic, how many cities started carving out the space for the cyclists. One important one, as I mentioned with the example of Paris, is reducing speed, calming traffic to really allow cyclists to be able to enter the transport system in an urban area. We recommend having 30 kilometers per hour as the speed limit in, in cities. And of course, you will have arterial roads that can carry your mass transportation and your goods that will have higher speeds. But the majority of the grid should have a lower speed that can enable cycling to happen. That was Claudia Adriozola's style, ending this WRI Big Ideas Into Action podcast on cycling. You can find more about it in the Cities section of our website, wri.org, and in the work of the Ross Centre for Sustainable Cities. Check out wri.org slash podcasts for our entire back catalogue, including podcasts on everything from road safety to the great ideas that were part of the WRI Ross Prize for Cities. I'm Nicholas Walton. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.